Awesome. Um, if you would continue to remember the Hans, this is obviously, it was a, a bit of a shock this week where uh, she went in just dealing with some pain and as a result was diagnosed with advanced uh, cancer in her abdomen. And so if you would just be praying and interceding for them for peace, for focus. Um, also pray just that God supernaturally and miraculously touches and heals her body. There are up in St. Louis as a family and so as part of that, also removed from the kind of normal, the stream of things. And so there's lots of different things that can grab and um, take kind of focus away from him. So if you would just be praying for them, interceding, covering them in prayer, that God would just keep them. I know that they would be thankful for your prayers. They've expressed that to me already, okay? Um, I do want to just... Uh, jump in here. We've, we've been working through since the beginning of 2020 uh, with a series. We really felt like the Holy Spirit, we, we, we wanted to focus in on the person, the ministry, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, really just taking the first fruits of our attention in 2020 and really turning that towards the Holy Spirit. We finished that series up last week, God in Us. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Um, but today, we're kind of just turning our attention towards what we see God leading us into in 2020. Kind of where we see him taking us and the steps that are immediately in front of us. Quite honestly, I don't know if you noticed this, but we're almost through February <laughs> at this point, which means that, like, we're a sixth of the way through the year now, okay? And, and I hope that that di disappoints you. Um, 2020 is a sixth of the way over. We're already almost through the second month of the year. And um, I never thought we were going to make it until 2020. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way, but you see the technological advancement. You see the cultural upheaval. You look around and you see all this and you're like, okay, Jesus Christ is coming back before 2020. You know what I'm saying? Like, even in the last 20 years, what I've seen in change and where we've come and um, I just never thought we would make it uh, this far. But I think, as I reflect on it now, I think that's probably the way it's always been. I think it's, there's at least a little bit of there is nothing new under the sun. You know what I'm saying? Like, I actually heard somebody one time refer to it as chronological snobbery. Chronological snobbery. I love that phrase. It's this idea that somehow now we've gotten to this point where we are the pinnacle of humanity, right? Like, like as if this is the first time in the history of mankind we've had to deal with the same things we've been dealing with. And quite honestly, I, I, I just think that's false. I think that's a trap from the enemy. I think there's a whole lot of stuff that we've been dealing with for a really long time as people. And um, I think we're just dealing with it uh, a little bit more loudly now, right? Like, we just, we just want to get louder about it. Um, and so I do want to start this morning just with a little bit of an apology. Uh, late last year, I was thinking about this and reflecting upon this, and I mentioned that I was not looking forward to 2020. I mentioned, just transparently, I said, listen, as I look towards 2020 and I see the kind of the cultural and political climate that we're going to be in as a nation, and I'm just not looking forward to that. Like, that, that kind of malice and that kind of um, vitriol and all of that, that's not something that I enjoy. But as I was thinking on that and reflecting on that, one of the great things about being the pastor here at Praise 
is I get a little bit of a lead time on some things, right? So I get a little bit more of an advance notice. One of the things I've been loving so far in February is the devotions that have been prepared for us as a church. I hope you have been as well as we're praying through February. What I've been loving is hearing the voice of the Spirit through the many mouths of praise. I've just loved that, okay? And what's cool is I get those devotions before you do. And then I send them off to the editor, and they get posted, and then they get emailed out. And so I really, what I love is I've got lead time, and I've seen some of the devotions that are coming. And specifically some of those that are, because in a bit we're going to transition our focus in praying for our nation. And several of those really just hit me right in the gut. I mean, just really convicted me that my approach was not right. And that, in fact, number one, that I am excited and should be excited. Because what an opportunity I have to be a part of the direction of this nation. What an opportunity I have to pray for my leaders, both ones that I agree with and align with ideologically and those that I do not. What an opportunity for me to participate in the direction of this city right here, to be civically involved and to sow into and make an impact right where God has put this church. What an opportunity. And so I'm excited, and I, I, I truly just apologize and repent before God for falling into the cultural trap as if somehow we're right in the middle of something that's the first time we've been in the middle of it. God is good, and he is moving, and he is still on the throne, and the gates of hell will still not prevail, right? So let's not listen to the lies of the enemy. He's moving, he's changing, and he's working, and we get to be a part of that. And so I am excited about 2020. The faster things move, the more people are looking for something different. The, the more complex things get, the more people seek the simple way. I'm convinced of that. And the more earth-shattering and groundbreaking the, the, the culture and the world seems to get, the more people are seeking the firm foundation on which to stand. And so I'm convinced of the fact that God's got us right where, we, where he wants us and that there are such good things in store for 2020. And so I am excited about 2020. I'm looking forward to it. And even in the midst of all of this change and complexity and all the cultural environment, you know, I, I, I'm brought back to some of the simplest, most uh, basic, smallest stories in the gospel. In fact, even as I was reflecting this week, it was one of those really, really simple stories that I was uh, thinking about. I'm like, this is so perfect for where we are right now. And so I want to read that story with you. If you would grab your Bibles today, uh, once you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there should be one within arm's length. Just reach over and grab one. Once you have it, open it to Luke chapter 10. You can also... Go to praise.fyi, tap on message notes. You'll find the verses that we're going to be reading through there as well as an opportunity to take notes. And also all of the things we're going to be talking through as community groups tonight. You'll find all of that included under message notes on praise.fyi today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. One of the things I love is the way that Jesus interacts with people. I love how he interacts with individuals. I love how God and Jesus specifically interacts with families. 
I think it's cool that Jesus had multiple disciples that were brothers, siblings. You know, you've got Peter and Andrew, you've got uh, James and John, like, but each of them came to him on their own individually. Such a cool thing to see how God interacts with families, but also <coughs> interacts with each of them individually. The story we're going to read today is actually of a different family. Um, I think it's cool. This family in particular is a family that was close to Jesus' heart. We're going to be reading a story about Martha and Mary and Lazarus, this family of three siblings. There's actually three different stories about them in the Gospels. And what's really cool is it seems like each of those individual stories are about a different one of the siblings. So we're reading today the story about Martha. I love Martha. How many of you see yourself as Martha today? Come on. How many of you are gutsy enough to raise your hand and say, I am a Martha? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you see yourselves as a Mary? Okay. All you Marys, the Marthas around you are looking down their nose at you right now. Okay, let me ask another question. How many of you wish your spouse was just a little bit more of a Martha? <laughs> just do the dishes for once. <laughs> don't raise your hands for that. Don't, don't do that. That's terrible. Okay, so I've mentioned before that I do, it's culturally acceptable to see yourself as a Martha, okay? And I've said it before, just put me in a dress and call me Martha. I get that side of things. I feel like a Martha. Uh, sometimes, often, I feel like a Martha. Uh, Jesus talks right to Martha's here, okay? So this is uh, Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 38, is where we're going to begin. Here's the story of Martha. Now, as they, Jesus and his disciples, went on their way, Jesus entered a village. I love how many stories about Jesus begin just like that. Jesus and his disciples are on their way somewhere. They're just doing something. They're going. And as they do, it seems out of nowhere, there is an interaction that will be preserved for all time as scripture for us. I think that's cool. And here's one of those stories. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And we don't know if Jesus, by the way, when he enters this village, has any idea where he's going to stay that night. There's a question. Do Martha, Mary, and Lazarus know Jesus already? When this story begins, we don't know. We know that by the time that they get to uh, John chapter 15, that, uh, sorry, John chapter 11, verse 5, that that um, Jesus considers Mary and Martha and Lazarus to be good friends, right? He is uh, in a deep emotional relationship with, these, with this family. He cares about them. He loves them, right? But we don't know if any of that is prior to this point right here. This may be the very first time they meet, or they might have already been friends for some time. We don't know. It doesn't tell us doesn't give us that particular background. So it may be that he walks into this village already knowing, hey, I'm probably going to go ahead and stay at Martha's house tonight. Or it might be that this is the very first time they meet and he shows up in this village and it says, 
uh, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. We don't know if this is it. Like, this may be the beginning of this deep friendship. This may be, um, uh, it might have all started with hospitality shown by Martha. Maybe. We don't know. But she does welcome him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, this is interesting. And I don't want to belabor this point, but that was not the place for Mary. Okay? place of being at Jesus' feet as a rabbi was actually a position of honor held for those who are being discipled. And so being a rabbi, Jesus, this was a position that was held for those who were in this formal process of being discipled. And for women, they were not allowed in this cultural climate to enter into that kind of a, a, a schooling. There was a cutoff point at which women went to and cared for and learned about the home, and men would be in this position of discipleship. So being at Jesus' feet is not the place for Mary on this day. You know what's interesting? In all three of the stories, that's exactly where you'll find her. All three of them, she shows up at Jesus' feet. And more than even the disciples, I would say, more than James and John or Peter, you will always find her at Jesus' feet. The ground at the feet of Jesus is level. Not to belabor it, but it's there, and you need to see that right off the bat. Okay? Here's what it says. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So while Martha is working and serving and showing hospitality, Mary is listening to the teaching of Jesus. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Love that word serving. You know what that word is? Deacon. She was distracted with much deaconing. This isn't a bad thing. Serving is not a bad thing. In fact, Jesus has been working really hard to get the idea through his disciples' thick skulls that if they want to be at the top of the pile, they really should be serving, right? You want to be the best of the best? You want to be the one who's in charge? Then you need to be the biggest servant of all. He's been trying to get that idea, same word, through their skulls, and now Martha is doing that. But it says she's distracted with much serving. Continues on, it says, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Lord, don't you care? How many times have we said that to him? God, don't you care? This isn't the first time they've said it in the Bible. Shows up in Mark chapter 4, verse 38. And the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. And there's a storm. And Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples go back to Jesus. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? 
right? Your protection of us does not look the way that I expect your protection to look at this particular moment. Don't you care? And here Martha is not worried about protection. She's worried about justice. Lord, don't you care? And none of us have any idea what this is like for Martha, right? Like, we've never been in the place, any of us, where we're doing stuff and it seems like nobody else is. Like, normally we just love the Lord and we just keep on serving him, right? Like, it's not about what other people are doing. We never notice. But Martha here does notice. And I would imagine she notices more than once. I would imagine every time she walks by the door and she sees Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus, she notices afresh and anew and just keeps on serving, right? Like, except somehow in there, it starts to really stir at her. And so she goes to Jesus. This is her solution. She goes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now, here's where I'm starting to think probably they knew each other before this. I mean, maybe not. Maybe this is the first time that they've met, but that would be super brazen, right? Like, First time into our house, and you go straight to him when there's a problem? Like, and if she was really concerned just about getting help in the kitchen, there's a different way she could have gone about that, right? And maybe she did, but it doesn't say she did. She could have just leaned in through the door and said, hey, Mary, could you help mash the potatoes? But she doesn't. She doesn't go in and say, hey, the flatbread is rising, Mary. I really need your help. There's a problem here. Could you come and fix that? She doesn't do any of that. She goes to Jesus first, which means she's not really looking for help, is she? She's looking for Mary to get told what to do by Jesus, right? Like, she's not just hoping for help. She's hoping for justice from the Lord, (laughs) right? Put her in her place, Jesus, which is in the kitchen, not at your feet, Mm -mm. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. There are seven times in Scripture where God calls somebody's name twice. Abraham. Abraham. Stopping him from sacrificing Isaac. Jacob. Jacob. Don't be afraid to go down into Egypt. From the burning bush. Moses. Moses. Samuel. Samuel, when he did not yet know the Lord. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. And Saul, Saul, why are you 
persecuting me as he lay on the ground blind. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, Peter, Paul, and now Martha. And I don't think he said it like, Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't think that's how he said it. I think it was like, Martha, and then a pause. Like, Martha, Martha. Because he puts his finger right on the heart of the situation, doesn't he? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. He says, all this serving is, let's get to the heart of it. It's not coming from a place of love, is it, Martha? It's coming from a place of anxiety and trouble. Right? So let's get right to that. And you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. And quite honestly, one thing is necessary. Only one. And then he continues on and he says, And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The good portion. You know what I think of when I think of the good portion? I think of brownies. Brownies. You know, when you make brownies, the most important decision you could make about brownies happens before you even start. You might not know this, but the most important decision you will make when making brownies, what pan will you use? Okay? Are you going to use a 9 by 9 pan? Or are you going to use a 9 by 13 pan? Fundamentally different kinds of food. Same ingredients. If you're looking to feed the masses, you use a 9 by 13 pan, and you get a brownie about that thick. Okay? It's more of like a residue on the bottom. Okay? But if that's what you're going for, you just put powdered sugar on it, everybody's happy. You can feed like 300 people out of one 9 by 13 pan. But if it's a good day, and you are feeding just your family, you never use a 9 by 13 pan to make brownies. You use a 9 by 9 pan, right? Because those brownies are more like cakes. Oh, they're luscious, and they're rich, right? Second most important decision you will make. How are you going to cut those brownies? Okay? Now, I'm not saying this is something that you should be doing every day. I've never been accused of excessive temperance. I love that phrase, excessive temperance. All right, anyways. But if it's a really good day, This is a day when calories do not count. You know how you cut a pan of 9 by 9 brownies? 
you cut it into nine brownies. Three inches by three inches by awesome, okay? That's the kind of brownies you get. Now, picture it with me. Close your eyes. Nine by nine pan, three inch by three inch by awesome brownies inside. Which of those brownies is the best? Absolutely it is. Absolutely. The middle brownie. No doubt about it, okay? Here's the thing, friends. Here's the thing. Little window into my family. I never get the middle brownie. <laughs> and you know what? When I open a loaf of bread, do you know which bread pieces I eat? The heels. Because I know everybody else in the family doesn't like the heels. So that's what I eat. I'm pretty much a martyr. And, um, <laughs> but if you want to know what I think of when I think of the good portion, I think of the middle brownie. With, when it's still warm, taken out of the oven before it's fully baked, just barely on the edge so it finishes baking on the counter. That middle brownie with one scoop of blue bell vanilla bean ice cream sitting right on the corner, melting around the edges of that brownie. Okay? That is the good portion. No doubt about it in my mind. You know what I have absolutely never done? I have absolutely never made a pan of nine by nine brownies cut it into exactly nine brownies, taken a spatula, and scooped out the middle one for myself. That is terrible brownie etiquette. <laughs> Nobody should ever do that. If somebody did that and they were on staff at Praise, they're fired on the spot, okay? But isn't that exactly what Mary does here? Jesus and his disciples come into their house because Martha invited them. And there is one choice portion. The choicest of portions. Sitting at his feet. And what does she decide? I'm taking that for myself. And Jesus says, and no one will ever take that from her. This is not a story about type A Martha versus type whatever Mary is, right? Like, this is not a story about that. This is a story about the one thing that is necessary and the many things that are not. This is a story about distractions. There are always going to be many things. There are more many things now than there were then. Okay? There are always going to be many things. And there will always only be one thing that is necessary. And for Martha, the issue is that she was distracted with many things. 
This is the only place in Scripture that you find that word distracted. The idea comes up all through Scripture. But this is the one place where you find it, the word distracted, actually in Scripture. See, I think this is a passage, a story about focus. Focus. And even as I was thinking about 2020, and this is supposed to be the beginning of a series that we're like a vision series. But I am convinced that what praise needs is not more vision. I think what we need is more focus. Do you know how much of our faith is about focus? We're told, don't look to the things that are seen. Look to the things that are unseen. Don't set your mind on things of earth. Set your mind on things above. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's about focus. And as I think about focus, I don't think, I think we sometimes when we think about what focus is, I think we get the weight of what focus is in the wrong place, like about getting rid of distractions. But I don't think that's right. I think 90% of focus is about finding the one thing that is necessary. The one thing that is worth more than everything else combined. It's about finding the one pearl of unparalleled price. The one treasure that's buried in a field. The one thing that's necessary that all other things pale in comparison to. The one prize that's worth striving for for the rest of our lives. Letting go of all the other things and counting them as refuge. Finding that one thing is 90% of focus. And 10% of focus is the broom work of cleaning up the distractions afterwards. 90% of focus is finding the one thing that is of surpassing value that when you walk in, you say, that is the choicest of portions. And that's what Mary got and Martha did not. I wonder, doesn't tell us in the story, does she figure it out? Like you wonder, does she get it? Does she get it there? Or does it take her five years? And somebody comes up to her and says, what was Jesus like? And she has to say, I, I don't know, I was in the kitchen. Does she get it? Like we don't know with the other stories, I've read them both and I, I don't know for sure. But I wonder, what would it have taken for Martha to be willing? Because I can get what her situation was. I mean, if she's been hearing about Jesus but hasn't met him, but she knows he's coming with the crew, and if all of the stories she's been hearing, or even half of the stories about him are true, the miracles, all of the things that he's been doing, multiplying bread and fish and all of that stuff, like if that stuff is if even half of it is true at this point, like, she's got to put on a show. You know? And so he comes in, and what would it have taken for her to be willing to put paper plates and paper napkins not folded into doves in front of him? 
Like, what would that have taken for her? And the only thing I could come up with is if she were so thoroughly captivated by the opportunity to sit at his feet that she puts it all aside except for it and says, that is the choice portion, that's the one I want. And for us, it's the same. Every single day we make the decision, what will my focus be on today? And there are so many, many things that we could focus on. And what is a distraction anyways? A distraction is when we allow our focus, our affection, our attention to be pulled off of the greater things and onto lesser things. And there are distractions all the time. So the word that keeps coming back to me for 2020 is focus. Set your minds on things above. Jesus says that to us, and then our eyes so quickly flit to the side, right? Lock your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and our mind drifts back. Make sure that your heart does not look to the things that are seen, because those things are temporal, but to the things that are unseen, because those things are eternal. And yet our heart very quickly realizes that the things that are seen are really bright and really shiny. And they turn so quickly. And Jesus says, the fight of your faith will be focus, focus, focus. Find the thing that is of surpassing value and chase after that for the rest of your life. Seek to know and hear me. Nothing is even close to the value of that. So focus. This year, may we remind ourselves every time we gather where our eyes should be, where our minds should be, and where our hearts should be every day. Because this is the battle of our faith every single day. And the enemy would seek to blind us to the truth every single day. Focus. 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 Jesus said, if you're tired, worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. You'll learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Watch me. Keep your eyes on me. Focus on me. Keep in step with me. So this year is about focus for me. I think it's about focus for us as a congregation. And I think it's about keeping in step with him. About three or four years ago, I got on Adobe Illustrator and I drew up a plan. A little software that you can draw pictures with of what property development might look like at Praise. So for three or four years, I've just kind of had that in the back of my mind. What could that look like? For us, God has blessed us. He's provided for us. We've been able to pay off facilities, leave debt behind. And it doesn't seem like the right thing as we keep in step with him to jump back into debt, strapping ourselves back down. But if instead we keep in step with him every step of the way, how... How can we use what God has blessed us with for his glory? 
How do we use it for the good of those around us? And the thing that keeps seeming to come back is this space that God has blessed us with, using it for our community. So we talked about putting in a walking path and a pavilion and maybe a park and maybe softball fields and maybe um, uh, taking it one step at a time, phase by phase, instead of trying to dive in and do it all at once, putting in community gardens. How do we use this for our community around us to better their lives, to say, hey, we're here and we want to use this for you? And all along the way, giving glory to God. And so at the end of last year, we signed a contract with a company to help us kind of visualize what that might look like. So already they're kind of putting the roughest of rough drafts together. And our hope is to have something to present to the congregation by May. And then as we come to the end of May, have a meeting as a congregation where we look at it and we say, okay, but what, what could we do differently? How might we do this slightly different? What could we do and what are we missing? And then giving opportunity for feedback and then from that go back to the drawing board. And then from May through September, drawing it up again, and then by September, rolling that out to our community, saying here's how we as a congregation want to bless our community. Here's how we want to make your life better. And then giving the, co the community an opportunity to p give feedback back into the situation again. That would be in September. And then after that, come back, you get a final kind of picture by the end of the year. That's our goal. How do we use what God has given us, keeping in step with him every phase of the way in order to bring glory to him and good to our community? So we're excited. And I think it's a matter of focus. It's not new vision. It's just focus. Bringing it back in. What does this look like for us? But I think every single time we gather should be about bringing our focus back in on those things that are of surpassing value, the choicest of portions, the one thing that is necessary. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come up, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. That song we sang about the goodness of God, as I was singing that song today, just blown away again, fresh and anew at his incredible goodness to us. Man, my hope and my prayer through all that we ever do is every time we gather, every single Sunday, as you've maybe had a long or a difficult week, or you're coming up on a long or a difficult week, is that you are reminded afresh and anew of the goodness of God. That you are reminded afresh and anew of what it's like to just sit at his feet and worship him. That you are reminded again of what it's like to hear the word of God spoken directly into your soul and saying, this is the choicest of portions. All other things take from this. All other things that I could be doing are distractions from it. Reminding ourselves through that daily grind which is necessary, serving which is necessary, the normal things that we do, reminding us of the one choice portion. And that's my heart, and that's my hope, and that's my desire for us. And we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we have our minds set on things above, and our hearts looking to the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. And in every moment, recognizing that that moment is connected to eternity.
every moment connected to eternity. The choicest of portions. How will we spend it? So I want to sing about the goodness of John. And then I'm going to step back up and close out the service today. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The greatest struggle of mankind will always be to see the one thing that is of greatest value. The enemy will ever work against us to blind us to the truth of the gospel. And our battle is to see people move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And you are in here today, and maybe you're here and you've not declared Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Maybe you're here and you don't see him of greatest value. Oh, my prayer for you is that you will. And that by the Holy Spirit right now, he will show you as the greatest pearl of greatest value. The treasure worth selling everything for and buying up. Because that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. So may he move right now in your heart. Scripture's clear. This is how we see salvation. Declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. Truly declaring him as Lord. Believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And we can be saved. Today I want to pray right now. And my hope and my prayer for you is that you would pray that along with me. Believing it and meaning it. Would you join with me in prayer? Hallelujah. Father, I do thank you that your goodness chases after us. That's what your word says. Your goodness, your mercy pursue us. Oh, you want us to know the truth. Oh, you want us to see Jesus Christ of surpassing value, worth more than everything else combined, as the source for us of all good things. And Lord, I know that the enemy is working over time against that truth, seeking to blind us to the truth of the gospel. Right now, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would speak to hearts right in this moment, show the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners and far from you. And apart from Jesus Christ, we have no hope. But in Jesus Christ, we have salvation from that sin. We are made new creations in Christ Jesus. So, oh God, show clearly, reveal that in this moment, I pray. And God, I do pray for your Holy Spirit to be tugging at, calling, speaking to hearts right now. Oh, I do declare you as Lord of my life. You and you alone are Lord. No one else has that highest place in my heart. No other thing is of surpassing value. The one thing that is necessary to me is Jesus Christ and him crucified. God, I pray that all would see that. We would all declare you as Lord. You are Lord today. I believe in my heart that the, that the scriptures are true of you, that you are who you said you are, and as it says, you, in that grave, you did breathe. You came back to life, that God raised you from the dead. And all that is said of you in scripture is true. You are Lord today. I believe that in my heart, and I thank you for it, and I praise you in your name, Jesus. God, help us to be focused. Help us to not lose sight 
Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our minds set on things above. Our hearts looking to the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. Help us to focus on the eternal weight of glory that is to us in Christ Jesus, I pray. I thank you for it. I ask it all in your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're in here and you need prayer this morning, this prayer team is committed not just to pray with you today, but to pray with you all week long. If you're in here and for the very first time you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you as others in a moment when I dismiss, head out the door. Would you step out and come down to the front? Um, We would just love to talk with you about what that might look like in your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all today. God bless you.